Hey, what is up? Welcome back to the Social Skills for Dummies podcast. It's the host, Dallas. Man, it's a beautiful, sunny day in Los Angeles today for the first time this year. I'm excited. I feel good, man. I'm about to pull recording this podcast episode. Man, I feel good, man. I can't even explain to you how good I feel. Oh, God. But, um, man, in the days of episode, I want to talk about maintaining eye contact how to maintain laser sharp eye contact now before i get into this episode i want to say this is a continuation of yesterday's episode um i don't even remember the title of yesterday's episode but if you haven't heard that episode go listen to that episode before you listen to this one i want to sum it up in a little bit of a nutshell here if i can remember exactly what that episode was about um basically you know growing up uh you know i was i was super introverted you know, and I thought my introversion was genetic, you know, and there was nothing that I can do about it. Um, to make a long story short, I got to high school and I think, you know, though my introversion is genetic, my ability to socialize, my confidence, it can be feigned or it can be recreated by things outside of myself. And so I started to join the wrestling team and I thought, you know, because I had a lot of fear in my heart. I had a lot of discomfort with socializing. I had a lot of discomfort in social situations because of the way I thought about myself. And I thought that was, you know, not only partially genetic, but about who I was in society, my standing. You know, I think a lot of guys, oh, that sun's beaming on me, man. I got to take this sweater off. I think a lot of young guys think, you know, you know, the fear or the anxiety, which that's what a lot of the eye contact is about. Anxiety get things to go away. If I can just, you know, if I can have like something, you know, if logically there's no reason for it to exist, you know. And so I started wrestling. Like, if I'm tough, I'm not going to be scared of nobody. If I'm strong, I mean, go listen to yesterday's episode. It, it, it covers this in detail. You know, if I have money, I won't be scared of nobody. And I went through a long journey of, you know, being wrestling and becoming a champion wrestling, a regional champion. And um, as well as starting, you know, businesses. And I didn't, didn't get money from this business, these businesses or anything like that. But trying the route of you know fulfilling things outside of myself in order to you know to calm the anxiety down, in order to in order to calm the fear that uh, disabled me from um, actually interacting with people in a direct, a straightforward, assertive, and a wholesome way, you know that that essentially shut down my social skills and made me fearful of you know uh, society, going outside, even with a girlfriend. You know we had a lot of fun that we could have had in life when we were younger that we didn't have because I was just scared of everything in the world, and so. Uh, the summation of that story it ends up you know I try all these things and nothing works at the end of the day I'm still I'm still anxious and what I realized about the situation is that there are two reasons that you're anxious you know first off I want to say this you know uh, being anxious having anxiety and being introverted I don't think it's a default state you know your lineage went through time as a human and humans are social creatures as social creatures the social DNA is in your genes it's in your, in your genetics um, if you weren't social in the past, in the caveman era, you know, you would be outcast and you would die. So introversion, I don't think it's something that's uh, introversion in the sense of not how you gain energy, but just introversion as in you're scared, you're meek, you're timid. I think of it more as an illness than anything. And you need to get rid of that illness and go back to your default state rather than learning and training to be social. You know, being social, uh, socially excellent, you know, it is a skill set. Don't get me wrong. It's something you learn and something that you build upon. But being social and being comfortable in public and being around people uh, and having that, you know, having that finesse or genesis qua or the riz or whatever you call it these days is a default state. It's something that you're naturally entitled to. And so I realized I, would, I had an illness. You know, I had multitude of illnesses that was plaguing me that was stopping me from being the social person I was. In yesterday's episode, we covered what was called the hardware. Book a free call with me at the top of the page. Go to the podcast description and uh, book a free call with me. 
and uh, I can talk about to you this this to you in more detail. There are ads that I put throughout the podcast that'll that'll invite you to do that. So I'm not going to go over it too much. Or if it's a little bit in the future, go to www.socialskillsfordummies.com. Um, I'm just holding the website right now. I'm not doing anything with it, but uh, the website will be up soon. So don't worry about that. I'll get like a free course or a run crash course or something like that to explain all this just step by step. Um, but to get back to what I said yesterday, I covered the, the, the hardware. They're literally like literal pieces of your body that change um, and disable you from being confident and disable you from being social, that make you timid, that make you shy, that give you anxiety. And so that's what I'm talking about. But what I want to talk about in this episode is the software. You know, our body's like a computer. No matter how good, you know, the, so- you know, the software is, the, the hardware of the computer is damaged then it, it, you know it's kind of hard for the computer to work and what it needs to you know be done done the computer doesn't function at all and so what i want to talk about in this episode and we talked about the hardware how to get your hardware right is the software um so essentially you know um the way that i came up uh you know i i didn't get a lot of consistent care and attention um from from the people around me from my environment from my parents from my family um, I felt like I was alone all my life. I felt like they didn't particularly pay attention. If you have uh, parents that were maybe dysfunctional, and I'm not saying I have, but I'm just saying if you have parents that are dysfunctional or they're divorced or you went through a lot, um, you probably experienced and embodied a lot of trauma because of it. And it's probably affected what's called your attachment style. Um, and you'll notice um, there'll be small little results in your life. I, I did a call with a paid client recently where we talked about this. And this is one of the things that really made his eyes light up. That made him realize what he has what I have, which is called an avoidant style of attachment. Um, but I'm going to go over that briefly now, but I'm going to cover it more in detail a little later. And some of the symptoms would be like you'll do something called leaving with the validation. Um, for me, like it would be like employees at like a 7-Eleven or something like that. And I'll go around the corner and I'll talk to an employee, you know, and then I'll see him again. I'll see him again and they'll become friendly with me. And I'll stop going to that because I know I go into that store because I know, dang, like it feels kind of weird and awkward. Like he's going to see me and he's going to converse with me in a friendly way and like you know it just it's just a uh, I don't want to be around people who like me like you know you'll 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 so you'll leave before you know when when the situation gets friendly you'll stop you stop coming around you'll stop socializing with the person maybe you meet a friend or a girl and they start to like you and you kind of get weird you kind of get tense like you notice the process of what I'm talking about like people start to like you you start to tense up you start to act weird and awkward you know because you don't want to lose the validation there's a fear subconsciously in your mind that with time they will realize the true you that you're boring or not special or not cool and they'll abandon you because that is what your parents did um and so you'll completely self-sabotage the situation so if you look at it you'll realize your mind in a way like someone sees you across the room they lock eyes with you they they, they want to be with you what does your brain does it kicks up negative emotions it kicks up panic you know strife fear all these different things if you realize if you really break it down when you see someone that likes you when you see a reward in society for your brain to do something that that contrasts uh in any way to actually going and receiving that award and actually approaching that award and winning you realize your brain and your subconscious is wired to self-sabotage you your brain is your enemy your brain is actually going against you i want to take off this sweater because it's like 70 degrees or something out here i'm burning up one second Ooh. Yes, sir. Um, your brain is, is, is actually self-sabotaging you. Um, yeah. So you'll have friends. You'll have people that want to text you. People want to hang out and things like that. Even people invite you to a party. You're like, oh, man, I don't know. Like, everything in your system. Like, when I'm invited to a party, everything in my system just, or it would formally just 
you know, go to 100 miles per hour. I think about every outcome. Like, it just seems so dangerous, and friendships seem so fickle, and the only result of friendships and romance is pain. Like, there are a lot of thoughts you might have. And so, um, I noticed that about myself and in my life, you know, and, and what I valued uh, as I was growing older. You know, I would, I would do things like wrestle, and I remember winning my first wrestling competition. And people going crazy, and people loving me, and them wrapping the medal around my neck, and my team rooting me on, and that was the, one of my best moments in my life ever. And in hindsight, growing up, I started to realize like, why did I love wrestling so hard? Like, why did I go so hard at it? And it was because of that first moment. And what that first moment revealed to me was like this attachment issue that I'm talking about. You know, um, pride or people being proud of you will be a big thing if you have an avoidance style of attachment because you never got praise, you never got attention growing up. A lot of your life will be oriented around any way to get praise, any order to get recognition, or any way to get attention. You'll probably have these big, lofty goals in the far off future, these des designs or visions or dreams of grandeur because you're like, when I'm a rich, when I'm famous, when I'm a great someone, then everybody will love me, then everybody will see me. And you're chasing moments that fill up the deficit that you had when you were a child so essentially that that's essentially what the experience of being avoidant style of attachment was but if you break down avoidance style of attachment if you break down these moments in your life what you realize in, a, in essence is that you're avoiding love because you are conditioned when you were little to be without it you feel like you justified it mentally that you are undeserving of it um, and so when somebody meets you and somebody thinks you're cool your brain self sabotages like they think you're cool you don't deserve it they are, they're making eye contact. You, you don't deserve it. There are pockets of shame. There are pockets of guilt. There are pockets of unworthiness and bad feelings underneath the surface that's been running your life. Even with your dreams and your, your visions of grandeur, you're like, man, why should I party? Why should I date? Why should I do this? Because I, I should be focusing on my business instead. This podcast is for you. This podcast is for young, avoidant men. I say introverted because that's the widely understood term, but a lot of us are young, avoidant style of attachment. I want you to look that word up, avoidant style of attachment. Um, you put your dreams and your, your aspirations ahead of everything else, but it's just another way to avoid love. That's what I realized in my life last year. And I, I covered a lot of this journey in the last episode. So I want you to listen to the last episode because it all makes sense. Um, you know, uh, so you put these big lofty goals far from the future because it, it, it enables you to sp you know, suspend your ability to receive love in the moment. Because you'll receive love then, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, 5 years from now when you make it big. When you can rationalize because it makes sense. You know, um... But it's like everything in life, like weight loss, everything else. Like, you know, you have to love, you have to understand, you have to accept yourself and circumstance as it is. You have to put a spot on the map so that you know where you have to go. Otherwise, you just wander around in the dark. Um, and so that's essentially what avoidant style of attachment is. And so when it comes to, you know, social situations, let's go back to the computer metaphor. What's essentially, hap essentially happening is your brain, your ego, you know, um, it's like it's like a computer. Um, um, your ego it identifies as something it identifies as self and so it wants to go from where you are to somewhere else where self always wants to get better um, and it uses the data in a computer your, your software uses data to determine what it has to do to get from point A to point B I I'm here I want to be this in the future um, we talked about why meditation is important in this process but it saves data and we have a negativity bias this psychological bias we have as a hum humans for survival it saves this data in the brain like you know, this is what happened in the past. These are the references for These are the moments. Um, and so these moments I can use as kind of a compass to determine what happens next. We try to predict outcomes, uh, you know, as, 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 as human beings. Like, that's what our psychology is meant to do. We, the only purpose of memory is just to predict what happens next so that the ego, so I can self, can use it to maneuver the field and get to somewhere else. Um, the problem with that is that a lot of the data that we saved, like, um, is from trauma. And trauma isn't based in reason, it's not based in logic, it's just based in a feeling. 
you know it's like the fear you know and that's that's one of the bad things about human evolution is that you know uh, because of the way our brains developed we cannot separate we can't separate like you know something that's trauma versus someone that's a something that's a good reference experience um they both feel the same so you know standing in front of a crowd and having social anxiety when you're going to do a speech you know the whole entire thought process your brain is going through because it hasn't adapted to modern times is okay i'm going to die and get outside outcasted from this tribe if i do this speech wrong when in modern society our brain hasn't developed to the point of modern society yet it still thinks we're in caveman era it's like okay this is what's going to happen but that's not what actually actually is going to happen so that reference experience the way it's saved in your brain the data is bad it doesn't actually work you know it doesn't actually make sense in the context that it's in you know but in the past it would make it would make sense and so uh all these traumas you know while they're used as a compass they're actually misguiding you and what you have to do is determine what is the data that's saved in my brain that's misguiding me? If you think about your ego traveling through space-time, it's going forward from where you are to where you want to be next. Um, and it's using these reference experience to kind of steer the way. Um, so imagine like your ego is like a circle and like your reference experience is like pieces of gum. And so these pieces of gum are getting attached to your brain or, or your, your ego and they're, they're fighting back and forth. They're trying to steer you. They're trying to find a path. They're trying to find a direction for you. But the negative experiences, they stick better. The negative experience... They, they, they're bigger, they're more impactful, they're more meaningful. If you get burnt by a fire, that's a more visceral experience than you tasting a good food. And it'll guide you uh, in a more visceral way. It'll guide you in a more heavy-handed way. Um, and so what our job is to do is look through the computer and determine, like, what are these memories? What are these core experiences? What happened to me? And then begin to remove or override those pieces of data. Um, and so your brain, uh, as it's like a computer, it works the same as a, a piece of computer. When you delete a file on a computer, I don't believe it goes away. What happens is that it gets overwritten step by step by step by step by saving more and more data that overrides the data and eventually erases out of reality. I'm not an expert at computer, but it's just an analogy. And so similarly to how a computer works, your brain kind of works the same way. This episode needs a lot of context. So if you haven't listened to the last episode, go listen to the last episode. But um, that's essentially what happens. And so what you have to do is kind of override that data through a process in psychology called systematic desensitization. When I was younger, uh, my brother had a fear of spiders. And essentially, you know, he would not go near like any image of a spider, whether it be on TV or on books, whatever. And so we started small with him. And one of the things that we would do is show him this spider book. You know, my brother actually eventually trapped him in the bathroom and just showed him the spider book over and over and over and over again. And eventually his fear of spiders went away because it was overwritten by this experience. Like, okay, I see this image and nothing's happening. You have to train your brain step by step and step and piece by piece to see something else. And that's what a lot of the free talks that I do, free coaching that I do, is talking about this exact conversation right here. You have to train your brain step by step, piece by piece. If you want to learn how to swim, just dip your toe in the water first. And then go dip your legs in the water for a month. And then go jump your whole body in the water for a month. And then go swim in the kiddie pool for a month. And then get in the deep end for a month. And time and time again, piece by piece by piece, what that slowly does is show your brain like, okay, I have this reference experience saved that there's danger in this situation. But through the experiences I'm having now, these small little positive experiences that stack up to the size of this big experience, I can see that that's wrong. And slowly and surely, your, your, your resistance to these situations goes away. One thing Owen Cook recommends is... You know, and I, I really think this is important. Like one of his strategies when approaching the club is that he goes to the club. Uh, he, he says he used to go seven days a week, probably like 12 hours a day or something crazy like that. But he goes out. And sometimes he just, like for me in exercising my New Year's plans, you just do things in subtle increments. He goes out and he just stands against the wall. But he always goes to the club. Maybe he goes and he stands outside of the club. 
one of the strategies that he he listed that works for me is that you go in the club and you just make friends with everybody you know you start with 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 other men talk to other men that's not scary or or if it is scary you you wave at other men you wink you say hi and you run away you start small and then you build upon that experience okay you say hi to other men you say hi to girls that you don't like you know uh, or men that you're not intimidated by people that are friends um then you go and you you slowly elevate it up you slowly raise it up step by step that's not the exact strategy that i recommend on the call uh called the podcast method if you want to talk about the podcast podcast just do the free call i'm going to talk about the podcast method here on episode in the future anyway but i don't really have the time to cover it all right now and so that's the idea systematic desensitization and so when it comes to you know um eye contact and maintaining eye, maintaining eye contact you know in the past you know i would always not want to make eye contact because it's just tension it was just weird it was it was just a a, a, a eerie situation like i don't know it's a tense situation and i always felt like people felt like it was weird too people always felt the same way but um we have what's in our brain called mirror neurons and essentially the way that works i don't know exactly how mirror neurons work but people adopt the emotion that you feel you know uh, and I believe this is how it works so if you see like if, if they see you like you ever seen somebody like look scared you like what's wrong what's, what's going on because they're they're making you scared that's kind of how it works um and I think we evolved this way because like if we see something like a like a threat you know uh, our partner you know has to be able to read our body language so that they can just instantly go into fight and flight instead of wasting time like finding out for themselves and so people adopt the most uh, I think you know Owen Cook will call it the law of state transference I know I'm throwing a lot at you take the free call please uh, a, a law state transference and so you know it's not actually true that people feel weird out in you know the same way that you feel when they make eye contact they feel exactly how you feel your world truly is a reflection of you but when it comes to making eye contact the way the, the reason that you you feel weird is because I'm talking about you're avoidant you know you have avoidant style of attachment and so when you're making eye contact when you're talking um, you're putting on a play you're putting on a persona uh, because you feel unworthy because you people don't feel people don't like the true you you don't like who you are uh, You cast the persona that you feel people will like that people will will accept um, And every time I say this, this is important most important part of this episode every time you look away or every sometime every time someone Looks away from you. That is an attempted deception That is all breaking eye contact is I mean you might be just trying to lay, lay ease on somebody break up the conversation a little bit short But that's the one percentile most of the time somebody look away it's an act of deception essentially they're putting on a play they're putting on a persona and they don't feel congruent with that play they don't feel congruent with their persona they feel like if they see your eyes they you're, you're looking in their soul and they can see who you really are so that's what you're experiencing people look into your eye when you're putting on this persona you're putting on this play and you feel like they can see who you actually are they can see the timid unlikable person under the surface so you look away even though it's written in your body language in order to disguise that person and continue the front to continue the play um you know and so the breakage in eye contact it all starts with this ideology you know um the true you is unworthy so you have to put on a front the true you is unlovable so you have to put on a front the true you is this that and third so you have to put on a front and every time you know you look in someone's eye you know and you realize what's happening this front and this play you put on they're under the surface because of how you were raised the shocks of you know coming from the trauma the shocks of guilt and shame and unworthiness come up and make you break away and so essentially eye contact and, and, and being straightforward with people um it just comes from 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 self-acceptance it comes 
it, it comes from who you are. It's the default state that you embody once all the trauma is gone. And so you have to systematically desensitize yourself. When you look in your eye, so you, there has to be no reference experience or reference memory, memories that make you feel insignificant. Okay, you have to get rid of those reference experiences through systematic desensitization. And I, I will touch on what I recommend in free calls a little bit. One of the things I recommend is, you know, you record yourself every day and you speak about the things that bother you. Like um, I posted on my Instagram story the other day and I would recommend doing this for you too over and over and over go until you feel comfortable with it because these are the reference experiences, these are the memories that kind of define your persona, that define your identity, who you identify as, that makes you put on the front. Um, you know, like for men it's a lot about money, a lot about success. That's what makes you feel worthy. That's what you think people care about. It's system, it'll systematically desensitize you if you tell everybody that you know or you speak about often, even to yourself, the things that you feel like are your shortcomings. And so I posted my bank account. I had a negative $21 in one and I had negative two in my Bank of America account. Um, it's on my story. You can follow me at Dallas the Pop Star on Instagram. And it's on my little, um, it's on my, um, my, uh, my highlights. You can see it on my highlights. What, how much money I have right now. My last check, it was about $1,381 or $1,400. Um, well, that's not really mine because I have rent to pay. So I'll talk about the things that bother me the most. I'll talk about my deepest wounds. I'll talk, I'll, I'll reveal everything because in revealing everything, you disable, you disable, um, the, the process in your mind that wants to put up a front and you begin to show yourself data that people love and care about you and they're cool with you regardless of the little details under the surface that you think matter so much. And so in a systematic desensitization, you know, the need to put up a front goes away. And the acceptance of your true self kind of comes to the for, you know, to the for, to the forefront, and so you interfacing with people on a direct, assertive, clear level uh, becomes a default. Also, it gets rid of your avoidant attachment, and so when you no longer feel your unworthy love, when somebody looks in your eyes in a way that's friendly, when someone looks in your eyes in a way that's loving, um, uh, suddenly you're able to accept that. You're not you're not trying to duck the love or put on the front to avoid the love so that it doesn't land on your true self. It's all about erasing the data beneath the surface that makes you feel unworthy. So, this is Dallas. This is Social Skills for Dummies Podcast. I appreciate you so much for listening, man. I hope that makes sense. If not, just take the free call with me. Um, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. I'll see you in the next episode. Oh, my God.